How has general manager Chris Ballard stacked the deck for Shane Steichen in his first season as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? We're breaking that down today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Lockdown NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And, of course, a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate you all being here very, very much. Joe, happy Draft Dudes kickoff their NFL Pro Scouting campaign for the summer of 2023 day to you. Dude, excited, fired up. This is going to be good. So we kind of teased this at the end of last week. But the thought process here is we want everyone to be as well positioned as they can when the season starts to have the best possible perspective on your team by understanding all the teams. It's so easy as a fan of an individual team, and I do this with myself, to get caught up in a bubble of the individual issues within your own team without the context of, how hard that thing that you have that complaint with is across all 32 teams or how difficult it is to piece together a complete roster on an annual basis and so on and so forth. You could probably build a list of t-shirts that we could make with all of the cliches of, of shortcomings of GMs, right? Or shortcomings of team building. and, And my team is bad at this and my team can never do this. But when you put it through the lens of not just, well, it's my team and it's a problem every year for my team and it's well it's actually a problem for 30 teams every single year so it's not a coincidence that it's a problem for your team it changes the perspective a little bit and it changes what the roadmap to get it fixed is so our objective is to go through all of these teams we have nice pretty color-coded depth charts uh that we are codizing coding oh i like codizing whether that's a word or not yeah go with it yeah all of the players, this, the key players on your roster, we're not doing all 90 players, right? But, but generally what's going to be your, your significant players throughout the course of this season, we're putting them in buckets to quantify what kind of players they are and how they are going to impact your team season. And that's what we're doing here. We're going to get to them all. Colts so, up first. Indianapolis Colts up first. Picked number three. In the number four in the 2023 NFL draft, they picked QB three in this draft with Anthony Richardson. And you'll, we'll talk about offensive and defensive side of the ball and observations. And obviously there's a coaching change. So there's a significant schematic shift and change. And that is something we've talked about when trying to figure out what the heck the Colts were going to do with their quarterback situation anyway. Right. It says, well, Steichen, they, they like unique skill sets. Well, they got a unique dude in Anthony Richardson. But the infrastructure around him and what they have to work with is, I think, where a lot of our observations can come and we can have a healthy conversation about the Colts. So, Joe, 
Without further ado, the single biggest observation you had about the Indianapolis Colts in 2022 was what? Offensively. Man, there's so much I want to say. Um, Can we just start with the offensive line? I feel like that's where I want to start. That's not where I would have started, but that's Mm. why I gave you the chance to start, and that's good because that means we won't take my talking points. Well, there we go. There's a win for everybody here. Uh, The offensive line for this team has been – um, in recent years celebrated as one of the best in the league. And they've had some turnover on the offensive line, but they still have three nice pillars of the unit, Quentin Nelson at left guard, Ryan Kelly at center, and Braden Smith at right tackle, who's a player that I've gained a lot of appreciation for. But right now they're kind of trying to figure it out at right guard and and left tackle. And Bernard Raymond was a fairly high draft pick last year that was a rookie that got – playing time and he really struggled to begin right his first few outings really had a hard hard go with it but thought the in-season growth there was really strong right it's certainly a player that from the first time I saw him play to the end of the season really kind of helped change my perspective with how he was able to settle in he needs to take another step if he's going to be their guy at left tackle but you know this right guard situation where it's I guess it's probably Will Fries as their starter Right now, uh, Danny Pinter, um, one of the backups. I still think they're trying to figure that position out. But I think for Anthony Richardson stepping into this football team, having three pillars up there that are experienced veterans, I think you know exactly what you're getting in all three players. That's going to be a major help for him as he um, steps into this football team. For sure. And um, I think we can acknowledge there was probably a little bit of regression across all three of those players last year. I know Braden Smith was highly penalized last year. I think he had 10 penalties called against him last year. I think he gave up, was was credited with seven sacks. Uh, Ryan Kelly dealt with an injury um, midway point of the season. Uh, didn't look like himself. Quentin Nelson looked like he was pressing extra to help the yep. issues at left tackle Yep, that were, whether it was Matt Pryor or Bernard Raymond. Or um, Kelly, Dennis Kelly. Yeah, I played a lot. Yeah. So, you, you what you end up having is instability on both sides of the line. I think it's the the biggest observation that I had with the Colts' offensive line is you had inconsistent play on both spots that compromise your best your, players, your, your your cornerstones at that unit. Yeah. On that unit. Yeah. I think the biggest observation that I had with the Colts offensively was there was just a lack of, of dynamic play on the perimeter. And you have Michael Pittman, who is a very, very good, very good wide receiver at the NFL level. Um, I think he's, he's going to consistently be a quality starter uh, for the Colts. I, I think he's going to have a very productive pro career. But the touches for Paris Campbell... I think the lack of, of development for him to become a more dynamic player. Alec Pierce, who you brought in as another height, weight, speed type guy who I think has a lot of growth that's needed as a route runner. He's still an incomplete evaluation and, and mm-hmm. obviously he's, was a rookie last season and thrust into a big role. And all of these big body tight ends with Jelani Woods and Mo Ali Cox, um, Kylan Granson kind of gave you a change up and gave you a little bit more shifty of a player. But as I was just kind of reviewing the – and beyond that, it's it's Ashton Dolan and Michael Strawn, and there was just not a lot of pressure that they were able to apply to teams 
vertically. And, and what that ends up doing is everything was very crowded offensively for the Colts. You didn't command a lot of vertical lift. Mm-hmm. You had to throw into a lot of tight windows over the middle of the field. It really stressed Matt Ryan to stand in the pocket. And then you made the coaching change, and now the, or the, the quarterback change and the coaching change. And now there's no timing with the passing offense at all. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it just really, I thought, handcuffed what they wanted to do aside of Jonathan Taylor having his own injuries and, and issues where he missed some time and was not effective. I thought it was all compounded by the lack of dynamic play on the perimeter for the Colts last year. Coupled with a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who's not necessarily a threat to run the football. He doesn't have right. the big arm, right? So there's wasn't, is, there just wasn't enough you had to respect with, with the Colts so and their one, weapons. One pitch pitcher. Yeah. Right. I mean, he could get it out quick, and there was some really nice timing stuff. But like you said, they're allowing routes to develop deeper down the field, whether it was protection or separation. You just didn't get it, you know. And, and Michael Pittman, I, I'm glad you brought him up. I mean, tough as nails, works the middle of the field, like unbelievable hands and ability to leverage himself at the catch point. But, you know, he's not going to be a runaway from guy, people guy, right? I mean, I love his skill set, and I'm excited to see what he's going to look like with some semblance of some stability at quarterback. I mean, what this guy's been through over the last three years has been not great, and he still found a a way to be really productive. It's really DeAndre Hopkins-esque. Allen Robinson playing, yeah, he's he's on that for sure. Um, But even Alec Pierce was a guy that, you know, I feel like he was kind of redundant in this group. Like I wish he had a completely different skill set, right? I mean, just a lot of bodies on him, even when he's trying to make catches, it just feels like there just wasn't a lot of separation, a lot of just contested situations. And that's just a tough way to make a living. And so I think really rounding out his skill set is going to be important uh, for this team moving forward. But I do like that they were able to add to this mix a Josh Downs, right? Isaiah McKenzie as a, as a gadgety type player. Th- those guys will help with some of that. Obviously, losing Paris Campbell, who was finally healthy, you, you know, there's some trade-off there. But you know, between having the complete opposite of, of Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers in Anthony Richardson now as your quarterback, to go with a little more speed, some developing young players, Johnny Woods at tight end looks like he's a stud in the making. There's a lot to like here, but it still needs to evolve. So we'll um, that kind of covers my my big picture observations on the offensive side of the ball. When we get to segment three is when we'll pull up the depth chart and kind of go over the classifications of all the players, uh, Joe. But we're, we're going to switch gears, go over the defensive side of the ball, uh, and yep. hopefully sink our teeth into that side of the football. Or sink your teeth into a Bilt Bar. That's what I did before we recorded this podcast because these are the best-tasting protein bars on the planet. Folks, if you are looking for a delicious snack but you don't want a bunch of sugar – you don't want a bunch of calories, but you want some protein? Check out Built Bars. These things are healthy and they're delicious. They're delicious because they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in great flavors like churro, brownie batter. They've got coconut, almond, peanut butter puffs, so many great flavors. It's like eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. And like we mentioned, they're low sugar, low calorie, 17 grams of protein in this Built Puff. They're awesome. Check them out. You can head on over to Built.com, order yourself a box or two or three or 10. And use our promo code LOCKDOWN15. It'll get you 15% off your next order. But you can also go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a box off the shelf. Try them, folks. You'll thank us later. Defensively for the Indianapolis Colts, my number one takeaway is holy cow, are their defensive tackles good? (laughs) Forrest Buckner and Grover Grover, Stewart. Dude. 
those dudes are dudes are really good. Mm-hmm. They've got some brick houses in there, and DeForest. I mean, from from a dynamic athleticism perspective too, and range and effort and length, and he's everything you remembered he was in San Francisco, and he's just continued to stack dubs as a as a player with the Colts, and well worth that. What, he, he got 20? 20, yeah. My guy's going to mess around and be outside the top eight in defensive tackle contracts here pretty soon. He's going to look like a pretty good value. But Grover Stewart, maybe not not as disruptive, but those two guys for me, that was was the obvious number one takeaway for me. Yeah, and, and some of the reps with the Force Buckner, they even let him rush off the edge, man. This guy was just collapsing the wit, dude. I He was, you know, everything you, you hoped he'd be. Um, I guess – that's a great take. I, I respect that a ton. I love watching Grover Stewart, especially. Uh, I feel like this team has a lot going for them at linebacker. And, you know, obviously Shaquille Leonard's their guy, but he was he had a back injury last year, right? He played three or four games, if that's something, just a very small amount of time on the field. They lost Bobby O'Karakey in free agency, but they still have Shaquille Leonard coming back. But whether it was Zaire Franklin and his seventh season looking like a really nice player or EJ Speed, even both of those guys, I'm like, wow, this team's got some linebackers. And like last year to have all four of those dudes, obviously Leonard being injured. Uh, but I feel really good about what they were able to kind of transition into and having both Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed at their disposal to kind of figure it out around uh, Shaquille Leonard. I think they got a nice trio of, of backers there in Indy. I'm glad you mentioned Zaire Franklin just because as I continue to really watch him specifically, and obviously the production speaks for itself, he, his previous career high in tackles was 40, and he had 167 last year, right? So Did he have that four, many, dude? Four That's X crazy. his previous high. He had his career worth of tackles last year. Uh, yeah, he, he actually had 60 more tackles than he had in his first four seasons combined yeah. last year, right? And tackles... You understand tackles aren't the be-all, end-all statistic for for linebackers. But 12 tackles for loss. Uh, He hit the quarterback a ton. He had six passes defensed. He had two forced fumbles. He had three sacks. And it's it's the way he gets downhill, too. There was one play against the – what was the second game that I watched? Steelers by chance? It was the Steelers. Steelers? He had some it nice fills. It was the Steelers. That mm-hmm. play where he's calling out the the uh, outside zone run to the left. Mm-hmm. And they they jump the back in the pre-snap, and he immediately points it out, and they run his way. And the way he works over top of the climbing offensive lineman and then shoots forward to gain depth into the backfield and then still rip across the face of a lead blocker and come to balance on Najee Harris and make the tackle was a really nice embodiment. He had another play in that Steelers game where he comes downhill and he smacks the guard and then gets off the guard. Like it was, it was the blend of range length block deconstruction skills and the tackling that all pieced together for me that just a phenomenal season. I was blown away by how good I thought he played. What was your takeaway of Quiddy Pay? First round pick a few years ago out of Michigan, an edge rusher, you know, a player they really need to be an impact guy. What where were you with him? So I I look at Deo, 
and Quiddy and Taekwon Lewis and like Yannick Ngakwe is a little bit of a different build, right? Right. But they've had this type on the edge. It's these 270 pound long. I think you've got some inside outside versatility. And I think they're all cut from the same cloth. And in the same way that I thought their offensive skill set was too redundant, I thought all these pass rushers were too redundant. And Quiddy Pay did not, whatever his athletic profile was expected to be, right, from a testing perspective, mm-hmm. dynamic athleticism, I thought they were too lethargic on the edge. I thought they gave up a lot. They gave up the edges to a lot of quarterbacks getting outside the pocket and rolling. I think their ability to flash in space in short spaces and collapse down the line of scrimmage. The Raiders game was an awesome contrast of of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby when I was watching the Colts play offense and then when the Colts are on defense and you're watching their edge players try to pursue Derek Carr. I just didn't think they were... I think they're a little too heavy there. Mm-hmm. And Quiddy Pay especially was one for me that not I don't think he's necessarily fulfilling a sexy role in that offense. I don't think from a pass rush ceiling perspective, he's going to offer you what you would expect with where he was drafted unless maybe there's a little bit of a body composition and ideological change on how they play defense up front. Yeah. I came up with similar thoughts, and, and that's something that I've thought a lot about. Um, I don't want to make this about the Bills, but it's a very similar thing, a little bit too heavy, and you, you really enjoyed seeing a Von Miller, right, a different type of skill set come in yeah. there. And, and I hope that I – ho- I think variety with your rush arsenal is, is important, just like it would be for an RB stable or a wide receiver core. I think uh, Ebercom so will help that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. He's a nice addition. Uh, didn't have to like pay him a gazillion dollars either. Yeah. And I think him being there to go with pay and, and then some of the other guys that played more um, being maybe more rotational, the Taekwon Lewis's, the Dio, Adam Dio from Vanderbilt, oh, you know, you that guy. <laughs> I went for it and I pulled the plug. Odin Yingbo, I think it is. Yeah. Is that right? uh, let me get one more th- uh, point in here on this defense. Um Interesting, the two corners that they drafted, Juju Brents out of Kansas State, Darius Rush out of South Carolina. Um, they seem to fit, you know, what you'd think a Gus Bradley defense would want, but also interesting that they leaned into, you know, they rotated quite a bit at corner, but Isaiah Rogers, who's like 5'11", 170, who I think is a good player, yeah, but not necessarily the the scheme fit or stylistic player that you would expect. And then they, you know, invest a couple of picks here in corners that are the tall, long, you know, the the – that type of, of profile. And so I wonder if there's a little bit of a transition with what they want to do with corners. Well, I, I certainly think there is. And then you consider that you're moving on from Stefan Gilmore, mm-hmm. who still very much can go based and off he can of play. last year's tape. He can, he can, he can mirror and match still. Level. Yeah. Um, this, this was the Brandon fakes and type. Oh players. God. This was what was what they ended up bringing. He was the guy on their defense. You're hoping you have better versions of that with Darius Rush and Juju Bryant's, right? That's the goal. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you how many times I was watching the Colts, and I'm like, oh, there's 31 again. You know what I mean? 31, 31, 31. They're going to be better because that guy's no longer on their defense. Um, Shout out Kenny Moore, though. Kenny Moore, really sturdy. You know, probably put in some positions with matchup stuff to to play outside more than I would have expected in stretches of play. Yeah. Thought he handled it well. Uh, Really Um, combative at the catch point. He had a lot put on his plate as far as getting down in the run fits too. Yep. There's some of these where they're, they're, they're running nickel pressures or they're expecting him to run from the slot and 
get down into the C-gap with a tight end attached to the formation and fit the run. Um, so they, they put a lot on his plate. Yep. I thought they put a lot on some of these DBs to, to get involved in the run game and fit some pretty ambitious gaps from where they were starting in pre-snap looks. Um, but I, I generally agree. I think that there's a lot to like here. I, I think kind of the trap that it felt like Ballard fell into with going and getting the same type of player with pass catchers, they fell into with pass rushers other than Yannick and Gakwe, but then teams would run at Yannick when he was on the field yeah. and really tested him. So I think that's, that's I think what I'm excited for from the edge group and getting a little bit more well-rounded is, A, you're going to get Shaq Leonard back, and that's going to be a big win for you. But then also the different body types at corner and getting Ebukam to step into the role that Yannick Ngakwe played where I think he can be a more well-rounded player. All right, so in just a moment here, we're going to talk about some of the uh, discrepancies that you and I had when classification disagreements, a little bit of debate coming up here in just a moment. So I'll go ahead and I'll pull the depth chart up. Uh, And there was a lot of consensus for Joe and I. Joe, what was your thought on the distribution, first and foremost, of the – I think I can – Go up here and scroll, show everybody. No, I cut it off. So the navy blue is roster cornerstones. The light blue is quality starters. The yellow is adequate starters. The orange is replacement level players. Purple is quality depth. Non-roster caliber is red, and there's none of that on this roster. Pink is incomplete evaluations. And gray is practice squad caliber players. So for those of you who are just listening to the podcast, we're going to talk through not every name, but we're going to do big picture based off of those buckets, cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, rookies are green, uh, adequate starters are yellow, replacement level, quality depth, non-roster caliber, incomplete evaluations, and practice squad caliber players. So what was your biggest observation from the consensus? Everything that's on the screen for those of you watching on YouTube is the consensus that Joe and I had in doing separate film evaluations and comparing notes after the fact. Wow. Um, I think I really have two prevailing thoughts, if I may. One of them is their franchise cornerstones. Um, Quentin Nelson, John Taylor, Shaquille Leonard. You know, there's others, but I wanted to highlight the, the the Force Buckters in that mix as well. But those three that I mentioned first, a guard, a running back, and an off-ball linebacker, but also guys that aren't coming off their best seasons. You know, Leonard, we talked about injuries. Jonathan Taylor was injured quite a bit. And then Q Nelson was kind of stressed there, I think, to make up with for what was kind of happening at left tackle and really be the tone setter. Like, he was he was a great player, but was he the dominant player? I watched his first few seasons. No, I, did, I didn't get the same, same warm and fuzzies there. So, that, that was kind of my overarching thoughts on their top end, but also there's just a, there's a lot of pink and there's a lot of green here, which is incomplete evaluations and rookies, right? Which is you would expect that yeah. to, to be the case with with the reset, right? With coaching, right? I know it's interesting because you have Chris Ballard as, as a long tenure GM, but a lot of a lot of uh, this is going to be one of the teams that I think that their range of outcomes is going to be pretty significant um, when we get through this entire project and just realize how many um, unknown players at this point they're going to be relying on. Yeah, so if you're just looking at incomplete evaluations, which is players who can 
have any degree of range of outcomes. And some of them are incomplete, and you would be debating whether or not you think they're a depth player or a replacement-level player. Some of them are debating whether they're an adequate starter or a quality depth player. So, so, so like, it's not one-size-fits-all. Yeah. But you have Alec Pierce at wide receiver. You have Josh Downs as a rookie, and that's an incomplete evaluation, as potentially starting in the slot. You have Bernard Raymond, your starting left tackle. You have Jelani Woods, your starting tight end. You have uh, your starting free safety in Rodney Thomas, who was a seventh-round pick last year. Your third safety, Nick Cross, who was a mid-round pick. Like, you have a lot of, oh, by the way, quarterback Anthony Richardson. You have no idea what kind of outcome you're going to get. And and those are the players that I think are the X-factor needle movers. So mm-hmm. when you try to f- project the Colts, if you have a lot of faith in all of those players, you could probably talk yourself into a favorable end-of-year outcome. But I don't think 2023 is going to define anything that the Colts do they just have to have progress and have these players show signs of life. I'd agree. So, as far as disagreements, mm-hmm. let me pull up my personal sheet on my other screen here. So, as Kyle does that, we both independently studied the Colts, right? We watched film, we studied their roster, their players, all the dynamics, and then we individually categorized these players or, or codized these players, right? Codized, there it is. Um, and uh, when we synced up before this podcast, we realized that we had some discrepancies. And so we're going to work through those right now. Let's start with Braden Smith. Yeah. Uh, we see, you already dumped some of your talking points, penalties and sacks. I heard you already. Yes. I made sure I subliminally threw that in there as part of my Loud and clear. only case. Uh, we had two starting offensive linemen that we did not come to consensus on. We only had three players on the offensive depth chart. We didn't see eye to eye on as far as without comparing notes. Uh, the other is Will Fries that we'll do next. So Braden Smith. Would you? I, I've kind of already expressed my holdups, and I know sacks are not a one size fits all thing. So I'm not married mm-hmm. to. I put him in the adequate starter bucket. Mm-hmm. I believe you put him in quality starter bucket. Yeah, I think he's just been really consistent for them across a number of seasons. Been a starter since 2018. I know his sacks and penalties were up this past year, but like that's not consistent with previous years, right? I think it was a little bit of a blip. We talked about some of their dynamics, so you got to. Uh, tough a quarterback tough quarterback to block for and Matt Ryan who's you know is gonna not be able to avoid anything you had Sam Ellinger and your rhythm was off I don't know I think there was reasons for some of that stuff I, I just feel like as a 17 and a half million dollar a year right tackle who's been consistent for them um maybe maybe even their most consistent performer last year on that old line I I, I just I I want to put him in a little higher bucket. Okay. So I am, I'm not married to adequate starter. So I'll meet you with quality starter. I guess my only question is you had mentioned the financials. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of weight are you carrying with financials? Because as I, I studied Braden, I didn't even look at his contract because yeah. I knew he was some relatively high floor player. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I think his floor is an adequate starter. So he's justified to have a starting spot. I didn't really think the financials were going to move the needle for me one way or another. I don't, I don't so think I that they're going to. Yeah. Me asking you your angle because yeah. we have these buckets, but our definitions of them, that's why we are looking to do a consensus version of them. So we're just on yeah. the same page. 
I think sometimes the financials can tell you something, but there, there's going to be times where teams are playing a franchise cornerstone and they're not a franchise cornerstone, right? Like that's going to be the the case and, and vice versa. So I thought that it was just kind of – I used the, the financials there to support like, hey, this is a player that's proven over a period of time that they're paying him like he's one of the you know better right tackles in the game. You know, I thought that gave it some – some merit to like, Hey, there is, there's, there's buying in here. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Will Fries is our other consensus as a starter on the offensive side of the ball that we need to come to. I had him as a replacement level player. He was the 250th overall selection in the 2021 NFL draft out of Penn state. You had him incomplete. Yeah. I mean, I, I he guys played 664 snaps in his career started like eight games. If Bernard Rabin's an incomplete evaluation, then I think Will Fries is as well. I'm not optimistic here, but. So I, and I like, I like the case that you make. I guess my, my counterpoint would be, I know what I thought he was out of Penn State and he hasn't showed me anything for me to not believe that that's what he is. And he got drafted 250th overall. Well, I mean, that, that that's going to open up a lot though, right? Like I know what I thought of certain players and kind of what they show me through a small sample size, but like this, that's affirming it. I don't know. I I don't know that I've learned enough about him. Okay. Well, I think I also look. I had the Colts last year as one of my pro teams, yeah. so I came in feeling like I felt pretty confident in in what I thought of a lot of the guys. Um, if we're taking sample size and we want to. By the end of 2023, we will know what bucket Will Fries belongs in. Correct? I think firmly. I'm not going to fight hard here. I just where no, did you? Fine. I had him as I've already I've already put him in pink. So okay. He'll, he'll be another incomplete evaluation. Okay. So you've won both of these battles thus far. Wow. Okay. How about Ashton Dolan? I had him in replacement level. I'm sure. I yeah, had cool. him as quality depth. And I have him as replacement level. So, where I talked myself into Ashton Dolan was what the Colts are offensively, or what they have been offensively, right? Run-heavy team, really likes to get out there and, and pound the rock. And Ashton Dolan took almost half of his snaps last year offensively were blocking. And at 215 pounds, with that frame, I think he afforded enough in not a receiver role to be a complimentary blocking wide receiver that you would feel comfortable with continuing to play on special teams that I was totally cool. And he he played almost 200 snaps on special teams last year, and he was quite good in last year as well. He had like 14 tackles on special teams in 2021. All right, you're you're gonna win this one um, because I think you you gave more credit to blocking and special teams as a death player than I did, and I did for Grant Stewart, right? And I gave Grant Stewart a yes. quality depth label for all of those reasons, and I focused way too much on okay, 33 catches in four years with Doolin. I think you have this correct. Okay, so there's our consensus through everything else that we had had. We have. Now, Will Fries is an incomplete evaluation. Braden Smith is a quality starter. Ashton Dolan as quality depth. On the defensive side of the ball, we had three players who we did not see eye-to-eye on as well. 
Only one starter, though, and it's Zaire Franklin. Mm-hmm. I'm all the way in. See, you, you're just a little more willing to do it. I gave him a yellow, an adequate starter, and you gave him the quality starter. And I, I couldn't get there because, like, it was his fifth season, right? And he first, it was his first extended action. It's like, I don't know, quality starter. Like, we're going to put him in the same bucket as, like, Kenny Moore, who's been, like, a very consistent player for that defense for a number of years. Like, if he goes out and has the year that I think he can, I think he'll be in that quality starter. But, like, how much of this do we want to project? That That's where I got a little uncomfortable with going higher. Okay. Well, um, I think the thing that, that helped me was just knowing, like, he was stuck behind Shaq Leonard and Bobby Okereke. Okereke played, like, 1,100 snaps in 2021. Mm-hmm. So when Shaq, when he gets the opportunity, the caliber of play was there. So, yes, I was not so much hung up on first time doing it and saying, well, if I'm looking at who Zaire Franklin is right now, he was the best linebacker on the team throughout the course of the season last year when you combine caliber of play with availability with versatility. So that's why I put him in the quality starter bucket. I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to come up here. Okay, let, let me ask you this: What would stop us after the year from coming back down if he regresses? Wouldn't you rather him go up though? Like, I, I feel like I'd want to take this from okay. This is where he's at. I think if he validates it, it can go up, as opposed to well, I think he's here, but okay, well, maybe he's not, and bring him back down. I don't know. I'd, I'd want to good negotiate up if I can. Where would you have put Bobby Okereke? Obviously, that that's. We'll do him when we do the Giants, but we've now watched the Colts. I th- I thought Franklin and in, in uh, O'Kerrike has some nice sp- splash plays, but I thought I thought Franklin and Speed popped more for me at linebacker than O'Kerrike did. Okay, to be honest with you, so we agree in that front. Yeah, I'd put I'd put I'd put him in yellow. You'd put O'Kerrike in yellow. Yeah, and I don't think he's an impact starter. Putting Zaire Franklin there is just sample size. Correct. Okay. Well, America, you you are my witnesses. We're gonna put him in yellow because we gotta we got other stuff to do today. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see here. Go back and forth the whole time. Uh, I put him in yellow. On my ballot, he's blue. We both really like the player. We're just yes, we do. Know, we yes, see we him do. the same way. It's just okay. Are, you're more willing to say okay, this guy's a quality. I think starter. that's what he is right now. Um, because we did this project last year and there were some players on teams that came down. So I'm not, I'm not as, I guess, off put of the idea of bumping somebody back down. That's all. McTelvin again, depth player. We have two depth defensive linemen. McTelvin again and Khalid Kareem. Okay. I know you had mentioned in the pre-show these are the only two other players that we did not see eye to eye on. Uh, Agim, I know your your point of reference was you put him as a practice squad caliber player because no, he's a I think I player and hasn't played a lot of snaps. Then I yeah I did I did put him as a practice squad player. I mean this is was a third rounder in twenty twenty for Denver. Played two hundred thirty snaps across two seasons. Didn't play at all last year. Now he's now he's on the Colts. 
So I I don't know. I don't I don't know that he's a much of a factor to make this roster. And I had put him as a, a replacement level player on the same tier as like Taven Bryan. And I and Taven Bryan's a I, I that's exactly why I couldn't put him in the same bucket because Taven Bryan has accomplished something over the last six years in the NFL. Played a fair amount of snaps, made some plays. McTelvin Aguim, the next play he makes will be the first one. Okay. So that is our only, I believe. Nope. Danny Pinter. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Do we have to debate this one? <laughs> no. Who's I'm higher on that, Pinter? <laughs> that was that was our only – those are our only two practice squad caliber players that we okay. forecasted in potentially meaningful roles for the Colts. Okay. And then Khalid Kareem, I had his quality depth. And I have him where? I believe – what's your ballot say, you nut? I believe you have him as a incomplete evaluation. No, you have him as a replacement level player. No, it's it's he's a little more accomplished than a game. Same type of deal. Fifth round pick, twenty twenty, two seasons with the Bengals in a rotational role. He played. I think he was injured last year. Right, kind of came in later yeah, in the season. He came in late. He looked okay. I don't know. I wish there was more sample size. I won't fight you hard here. You want him? Where do you have him again? I have him in quality depth as like your sixth defensive end. And I have him in replacement replacement level. Yeah. So replacement level. I won't fight you on that. So, and and part of my definition of those two buckets too, is replacement level players are players that could start for you. But quality depth is a player in my mind that you understand is never going to start. Right? Like You feel like you feel like Khalid Kareem is in the bucket of like could start for you. No. And that's why I put him in quality depth because I'm I know his role, oh. his future, his ceiling is a depth player and that's it. Okay. I'm comfortable with him being on my 53 as a depth player. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Versus Tyquan Lewis, who's in front of him on the depth chart, we both have as a replacement level he's player. He's a better player, right? But there's a world where he could start. He's a replacement level player in a starting role. Yeah, I'll make I, I will definitely come down on that one with you. Okay, cool. So there you have it. There's the Colts. Uh that is our scouting deep dive on the roster as it currently stands. Obviously, there are still changes that could potentially be made. I'm going to bring us back on the screen here, Joe, so make sure you're not picking your nose or anything like that. Thank you. Um, a lot of unknown with this team, I think, is probably the biggest observation and thing that that we're going to acknowledge. And as you see more of these teams, you will have a different perspective on the color distribution if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not watching on YouTube – hit subscribe on the channel and at least come like check out the last 10 minutes when that's up on the screen. I think it'll really help you visualize these rosters as we continue to do these. Yeah, this is a fun start. We got a couple more teams we're going to get to this week. We're going to get to a draft prospect, a creative concept later on. It's a good time. To, it's a good doing, time to be here, man. Are we doing something for uh, the roster reveal on Thursday? Well, is it going to happen? Oh, they haven't he, formally. Peter King came out this morning and said, might not be as uh, scheduled with the schedule. Trying to sort out the big ticket game still. So figure it out, guys. You have well, all off season. Brother, I don't get it myself. I know that they the draft probably has some level of influence, right? But yeah, this should have been should have been damn near done. So 
I I believe I've seen Buffalo's going to go across the Atlantic, right? Yeah, we've known that. They're going to play in London. My wife's right. bugging me to go. Are is that a home game that you're losing or Yeah, a losing game? a home game. That yep. stinks. And the Patriots are losing a home game too. They're going to um they're going to Germany. Yep. Okay. There you go. There's our schedule tease. Hit subscribe. Keep it locked in here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. It's your teams every day here on the Locked On Network. Shout out to our everydayers who keep it locked in with us. We hope you will be back again tomorrow. We are going to the college route, doing a deep dive on one of the top college prospects for the 2024 NFL draft. So come on back and see us tomorrow. Peace.